Hey, this is the Bridging Realities Podcast with your hosts, Danielle Polgar and Eugenia Kroc. Bridging the esoteric and the practical concepts of astrology into everyday life. We're happy you're hanging out with us and we hope you enjoy. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another podcast episode with Danny and Eugenia. <laughs> How's everybody doing out there now that Mercury's gone retrograde? What's happening in your world? What's being revised, renewed, mm. recalibrated? Mm. Revisited. Visited. Reorganized. Re, re, re. Re, re. Re, re. <laughs> How's the re, re in your life? <laughs> That's amazing. We should right. make t-shirts. Riri. Riri 2016. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, right, y'all? Uh, Mercury is retrograde. Venus is in Libra. Uh, Jupiter will be moving into Libra. So some things are breaking up and shifting. Of course, the Mars and Saturn directness. Uh, we're coming... We're, you know, we're still kind of, we're going to be coming out of the Saturn-Neptune deal, but we're still kind of in that. So, um, yeah, how can we maybe help contextualize it a little bit for everybody so they can maybe appreciate what's happening in their lives? Yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Appreciate. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I think to start, it's, it's, a, it's an intense time. And, um, part of that is that we are still in this eclipse window. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Uh -uh. Yeah. So that's happening. I was like, there's well. a big one I'm not remembering right now. Right. The eclipse that's probably there. the biggest one, but we're in that sandwich, right? So we're in the meat of it. If you right. can think of like the solar eclipse as one side of the bread and then the lunar eclipse is another side of the bread. We're in the meat. We're kind of like feeling out the fleshiness of it. And we've got mercury in retrograde in Virgo so wherever Virgo is in your chart, that's where Mercury is coming through to reorganize and recalibrate and cleanse and purify your thought processes around those things. Um, and, you know, I guess people often look at Mercury retrograde like it's a, a bad thing, but it's, it's really nice that we have this opportunity to kind of step back and um, give ourselves some time to get things in order and also just to get some clarity. I think Mercury retrograde always kinds of, kind of provides that. Um, I think it's a great time for people to have conversations that they that, like difficult, challenging conversations that they don't want to have, um, talk, talk things over. And then, you know, towards the end of Mercury retrograde to get to a place of like a solution or place of resolve. Mm -hmm. Um, and then what else? Yeah. Venus and Libra, super smooth, easy, beautiful, harmonious and then we'll have Jupiter joining and that'll begin a you know a 12 month transit I think it goes until October 10th of 2017 and we'll just have to see how that unfolds I think you know for a, most of us we understand Libra as the relationship sign but I think also legal matters and justice and hormones um, harmony, art, creativity, anything else you want to add to that? Um, yeah, I think you're doing a fine job explaining that. <laughs> um, <What? laughs> yeah, I, uh, you know, I, 
whatever. I don't know. 2016 has just been like mind blowing. It just really has. So mind blowing. Mind blowing. Good point. And I had the most privileged experience uh, this week where I got to go into someone's personal observatory and look through a an ancient telescope that was like I don't know 12 feet long huge and and this I mean just the most amazing beautiful observatory ever and so rad oh my god it was just oh god it was like a highlight moment it was a peak moment Mm. and actually last year and the last eclipse season in September around this time I watched the lunar eclipse through NASA, three NASA telescopes because three of my neighbors are NASA scientists. Um, And so I watched a lunar eclipse through, like literally I could see the grains of dust on the moon. Uh, So I did that last year. And then this year I'm in this observatory that is historical and oh my God, whatever. So I'm I'm grateful, amazing, uh, wonderful. But you know, the thing that was actually probably the most enrapturing or capturing about the experience was actually watching Venus present herself again in the Western horizon as the evening star, uh, because we haven't seen her much recently. And so she's back in the sky and she will be very, very visible, continue to be very, very visible. Uh, and then Jupiter will be with her. And I posted a picture or I reposted a picture on Instagram of the two of them and a picture someone took in Australia and it radiated the sun. And you think about it and Venus is love and Jupiter is abundance. Right. So, um, you know, I, I, I have an abundance of love right now. Let's just, <laughs> you do. It's a little confusing. Oh God, I can't keep it all together, but it's, um, but I think a lot of people are feeling that and that's going to keep coming. And, um, I think it's really nice to kind of, you know, not that the Virgo Pisces stuff has dispersed completely. We still have a lot of stuff going on in there until May, especially, but, it's nice to kind of relinquish some of this Virgo stuff and, and bring it into relationship and have some, right. some time in relationship rather than this like obsessive, I have to get it together constantly feeling. Right. Like, and the workhorse kind of yeah. thing. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Like focus has been on service and work for mm-hmm. a while now. So it's kind of like, Oh, it might be nice to revisit relationships in this manner, you know, where it's more, Mm-hmm. illuminated and it's needing, you know, to look at. And of course with that Mars or excuse me, Mercury retrograde, what you had pointed out in our conversation prior is that Chiron is opposing it right now. So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever that is in your chart, take a look because I think whatever's being revisited during this particular Mercury retrograde could easily have something to do with the healing work that's wanting to be done in the area of your chart in Pisces, wherever Chiron is. Um, Word. Super accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Right. I, and, I, mine's hitting the second house, eighth house axis. Oh. <laughs> it's like hardcore. You know, that oh. axis is so hard in it's real life. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a deal. Uh, My notes are there. Yeah, we, we oh, know that. Yeah, yes, you're nice. Yes. <laughs> uh, yep, so... Yeah, yeah, and I have it on my Mars and Venus Vesta Isis conjunction. Um, so my heart is being is it's 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 exploding currently, and I'm in both good and bad ways. Um, but right with the Mercury retrograde, 
uh, we're saying it's the re-re, it's the re-everything. But perhaps, so I just found this new podcast. I don't know if you know about it, but her name is, I think, Anna Ortiz or something. Let hmm. me look for it. I don't want to misspeak. But I've kind of seen her around on, like, Facebook and stuff, you know, in the world of astrology, you know. Anne Ortiz, something, A-N-N-E-O-R-T-E-L-E-E. And she does a weekly weather forecast. So it's really different than what Danny and I do here because she gets into, like, on this day, blah, 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 is going to in this day. And I'm not typically super into that yeah. stuff. but mundane. Right. Like I don't, I don't want to live my life that way. However, for some reason, I, her last two episodes I've decided to listen to. And, um, and what, one of the things she says that I really, really appreciate is that Mercury brings back ghosts, Mercury retrograde. Mm, Totally true. Um, Right. And so it brings back all kinds of ghosts. And then, you know, she actually offered, and maybe you're one of them, you know, like maybe you're the ghost as well. And yes, I got, Oh my God, there's so many ghosts. (laughs) There are. And you know what? I'm just realizing too, that I've had that recently where Mm. people are like kind of coming out of the woodworks, like contacting me. And I'm like, wow, I haven't talked to you in like three years. What's up? Fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the ghosts are not like, not bad ghosts. Some aren't bad. Some are. Um, but regardless, it's, uh, I think it's part of this, this healing process, perhaps with this Chiron opposition. Yeah. Um, and so we have to, you know, we're re- being revisited with, with these, these old ways. Um, so yeah. And it's right. Like you said, it's sandwiched in eclipse season. So, oh my gosh, like I, I, I'm just, I'm just writing life at this point, you know, speaking of writing life, I, I did want to mention this really quickly. I, when Rasa passed, um, the owner who gave her to me, so the woman who had her prior to me, uh, had said, when I said Rasa wasn't doing well, she said, listen, I'm going to have you talk to a pet communicator. And I was like, okay, whatever. Like, that's fine. That I'm open to that. Um, she, she gifted it to me. It was great. I was, you know, I kind of went in pretty speculative, but, um, but she was very, very nice, this woman. And she really kind of explained to me that my dog was in fact, uh, you know, kind of coming to the end of her life. And I was shocked. I had no idea that my dog was dying. And sure enough, my dog mm. was dead, I think a week later. Um, and I had no idea, but the, the woman had said, you know, this is what's going on. This is what your dog is saying. Yada, yada, yada. So she was just incredible. And I got to talk to her like, you know, towards the end again, like she's, you know, she had me check in with her. And then she, after that, after Rasa passed, she said, you know, I'd love for you to come out and I want to gift you a free coaching session. And I, yeah. And I've been so like kind of ungrounded in this summer and and all these things. I'm trying to get back on the ground, but it's been a little bit challenging. But, uh, so I went out to her ranch type farm thing today, this afternoon, uh, not having any idea what to expect. And, uh, Anyway, so we we spoke and basically like all of my ghosts are like encompassing and surrounding me right now and a lot of my demons and, you know, just things that are fine, but things that like, okay, I have to look at this. This is still here. There's this thing I do, right? So I'm going to have to look at it. And mm-hmm. I happened to be with this woman and she kind of opened that up and I just was like, and, and you know, of course I was crying about Rasa and she had a dog that looked exactly like Rasa and oh. I was like, this is killing, this is insane. And then she brought me into this horse pasture, or not pasture, but a stable. And she basically just like, you know, threw me in with these horses. Not threw me in, but she she brought me in with these two horses, a grandmother and a granddaughter, horse 
pairing, uh, these two, you know, female horses. And, <laughs> oh, man. Whoa. <laughs> Whoa. Yeah. Whoa. Whoa. I, I don't know how to explain it. It was, oh, it was, wow. It, wow. It was, wow. Yep. They, they, like, at one point, they both had their heads on each of my shoulders. So, like, oh my God. And they just rested them there. And I hugged and I was just holding them. And they, one of them was started crying. Really? Yeah. And then the ghost of Rasa showed up. Like, and I don't know if it was her ghost or the actual dog on the ranch because it looked exactly like Rasa. And they just held me. It was incredible. And they basically explained to me why she was in my life and what I got out of that and, and what I learned and, and how epic that really was, that experience. And so I'm just kind of on some different planet right now, per usual, but especially Yeah, right now. you're integrating. I mean, it, it all makes sense, too. Yeah, and grief is With Mercury thing. in Virgo as well, with right. Virgo being the animal sign. Totally, 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 so, totally. Yeah. And I did just want to let people know if you are in the in Colorado area, she she's located in Elizabeth, that uh, that kind of town in the eastern plains here. And um, I just want to give her website to people. It's called harmoniesheartcoaching.com, I believe. That sounds nice for Jupiter and Libra. Yeah, her name is Ash- Yeah. Her name is Ashara Morris. And so, you know, I don't, I'm not going to know much about her because this, you know, I I know as much as I know. Um, but I would recommend this experience if anybody is feeling right now or at any point really that they need to be held in a way that is magical. I would call this woman if I were you, uh, look her up, Ashara Morris, A-S-H-A-R-A Morris. And, um, you know, let her know that I sent you. I, I really, I appreciate that she did this for me as a gift, as an offering. And she had no idea I had a podcast or anything. And I asked her if I could talk, talk about it, but I just want to put that out there. Um, because yeah, it's, it's animal healing season, uh, right. With all the Virgo stuff. And it has been, you know, it has been for a while now, but it's, it's, it was amazing. I mean, and those horses, their eyes and just piercing into your soul and saying like, you know, we love you, but it's just, there's no, I, it's just incredible. So, um, wow. Yeah. It's powerful. So, so beautiful. Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying not to cry right now, actually. I know. I know. <laughs> it's a lot. We'll, 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 we'll switch gears. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> we'll just share that. Um, we'll talk more about Jupiter and Libra as kind of things unfold yeah. and, you know, we'll have some guests on the show and such, but for this episode, we invited a guest on, uh, on the podcast to talk about yoni eggs and, and more really to talk about feminine power and feminine wisdom and healing the wounds of our totally. ancestry that totally. we've you know, carried as women through eons mm-hmm. of you know, persecution and repression and all these things. And our guest is Jillian Anderson. Um, you can visit her at jillian-anderson.com. Um, and she's amazing. And we, during this episode, we really kind of dive into her chart and show you how you can see her work mm-hmm. unfolding in her chart. You know, it's like so obvious. Her chart was just like, boom, boom, boom. <laughs> yeah. Here I am. I'm woman. Hear me roar, you know? Totally. So it's really cool. And we really appreciate her coming on the show and also just allowing us to, um, share, you know, the, her chart in such a vulnerable way. I mean, this is something that I think 
we've spoken to many times over, but it's really important to consider with astrology is that it's a very, very intimate relationship that you have with an astrologer because unlike just basic therapy, um, you can see things in people's charts that they might not even be aware of in their own lives mm-hmm. yet. And, you know, you're see, it's, it's really like an x-ray for the soul. And you're getting to peer into somebody's patterns and familial life and upbringing and everything like that and wounding and gifts, all of the beautiful, all of the dark, you know. So, um, yeah, it's just a very intimate gift to be able to share this with, with people and connect with them in this way. So, you know, whether you're like new to astrology or you're already an astrologer, just to keep that in mind, you know, as like, right, this is deep soul work that we get to do. Um, and to really honor the people who you're reading for, um, because it's a big deal to have somebody see you in that way and connect in that way. So I just wanted to mention that, but Good mention. Um, yeah, I I think I don't know. I don't really have anything else I want to share. Yeah, well, let's get going. Let's get yeah. the episode rolling, and and we hope that you all are just um feeling this, <laughs> whatever yeah. you might be feeling. I, I know I'm having a, a incredible crazy day. Uh, whatever's happening for you all. Um, feel this one. This is, this is big. It's a big, big, it's big times. It's big times. Um, this is all I think, uh, to harness more and more love in the world. So, um, much love to all of you. Enjoy our Yoni egg episode and we'll, we'll talk to you next week. Hey everybody. Welcome back. Here we are. We've got three ladies here to chat about the feminine and the Yoni and sex and money today with our guest, Jillian Anderson. Welcome, Jillian. Um, so yeah, we're excited to chat with you about this unique practice, um, that I've just recently gotten into and, uh, just kind of explore and, and see where it takes us. So Jillian, welcome to our show. Welcome to Bridging Realities. Um, how can we find you on the internet? Well, thank you for having me. First of all, I'm really excited. Um, you can find me at www.jillian-anderson.com. Uh, it's funny. There's an actress, Jillian Anderson, and she dominates the web. Uh, but so there's a dash, there's a dash in between Jillian and Anderson, but that's where you can find me. And then, um, you can also find me on Instagram. That's my favorite place to hang out on social media. And it's at Jillian A. Anderson. So, yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Well, you know, it might be fun to um, start this conversation with a quick, why are we having this conversation on an astrology podcast? And how does this, how are we going to tie this into astrology? And I know that for those of you listening, you know, a big thing that has been organically taking place with this podcast on this podcast is really a organic direction towards really talking about the feminine and what that means and talking about the neo-feminist episode we had. If, if any of you have not listened, go ahead and listen. It's me and Danny just ranting. So if that's 
fun for you, then great. But actually quite a few women have reached out to me from that episode and said, thank you for saying what we're not supposed to say. So that's been a great episode. But I think as Danny and I keep having this conversation about, about the feminine and what it is to be a woman in 2016, um, a lot of the, the conversation has brought in uh, women who are doing this type of work. And we've been inspired by women who are bringing um, new things to the surface, a new evolution for the feminine. And Danny, I know that you had, you, you've been kind of playing around with the yoni eggs. So I thought it might be nice to, to tell your story a little bit and what, what your experience is with this and, and why you kind of have connected with Jillian and, and how we can integrate this into the episode today. Yeah, sure. Um, so, I mean, I had heard about yoni eggs many, many years ago and I, you know, I guess I've, my understanding of them was more for like sexual pleasure than anything else. But after having a miscarriage last summer, I had been, you know, I mean, doing a, a lot of holistic healing, um, modalities throughout the year. But I, once I got to Santa Fe, I got in back into my kind of weirdo spiritual self and, you know, just like <laughs> really started to be attracted to crystals again. Like, Oh my God. Yes. Crystals all the time, every day. <laughs> and, um, and I wound up, you know, just kind of finding myself online and I, I ordered some Yoni eggs and, um, and started using them. And I have to say it was like phenomenal how it transformed my relationship with my womb but also my relationship with my feminine self. I really did feel this energetic boost and um, strength and power and awareness of that space. Um, and I mean, this is a little personal, but I my orgasms were like ridiculous after it was not that I ever had a problem before, but it was like it took it to a whole other level of experience. Um, in connection with that space. So for me, I was just so inspired by this that, um, you know, I had actually, I think I had started following you before I even started, uh, using Yoni Egg Jillian. And I saw you were giving, you, you had a giveaway or something like that. And it really just sparked my interest to share that with others and to tell other women about it. Um, because yeah, I don't know. It just seems like a really cool practice, um, for getting better in touch with, our, you know, special space in our bodies that I think not many women or not, I don't want to generalize, but, you know, let's just say that for a lot of women in this world or even in our society, you know, getting your period and having, you know, having a uterus and all these kinds of things, it's like, oh, it's so annoying. And, you know, there's just this kind of, um, negative relationship I feel like with it. And, I'm really interested in transforming that and looking at how we can start to, you know, promote the womb space and, and the feminine power as like the ultimate power. Mm -hmm. So, you know, what can come out of that? So I, I was really excited to bring Jillian on the show and have her tell us a little bit about what she does with women and um, how she's going to be serving the world in this way. Love it. Yeah. So Jillian, why don't you uh, tell us, of what you do, how you got into it, and what your intentions are with the work that you're doing in the world. Wow. Um, well, it's amazing because what I do is always evolving, it seems, as I think that is the case for so many of us. You know, you, you take one step and then another step appears and then another step appears. 
Um, and for me, those steps began with my relationship to the feminine as a child through my relationship to my mother. And that relationship has led me um, on a deep journey of healing. Um, and that's available to, you know, each and every woman to tap into that, you know, the lineage of the mother and, uh, the relationship with the mother there, because the mother is, uh, your relationship to life itself. Um, so in the beginning, you know, your relationship to your mom is, you know, she's your nurturing, she's your food, she's your survival, she's your source. Um, so I had a really tumultuous relationship with my mom. And she had a really erratic and crazy menstrual cycle. And so I also had a religious upbringing. And the pair of both of those, uh, you know, was definitely divinely orchestrated. I was supposed to uh, have a hard relationship with my mom. And I was supposed to have this religious, you know, upbringing that was uh, Roman Catholic. So very, uh, you know, suppressive of the feminine. You know, Eve was the second sex. She was born of the rib of Adam. And, you know, it was uh, she and the snake and the, and the, you know, the temptation and the sexual nature and all this stuff. There was conversations that, you know, weren't had and they didn't resonate with me. And I knew something was wrong. So I was, um, I was a total rebel. I, uh, I went the opposite direction of the authorities in my life. Uh, and I found a lot of pieces on the other side, although I did have to, you know, integrate a lot. Um, but that's the beginning of the story. So it's interesting because when I think about what prepared me for this work, it's really life itself. Uh, everything that I've, every relationship and every kind of, um, scenario, so I went on this journey and I wanted to transform my relationship to my menstrual cycle to, uh, because I thought I was actually nuts. Literally, I was like, I am a mentally, I have a mental, um, what am I looking for? Like I, my mom, you know, we all considered her to be mentally ill. And so I internalized that I was doomed for this similar, you know, illness and what I came to find is uh, what a lot of women are discovering is that, you know, there's these wounds that are passed on that were meant to heal. And there's also um, there's also lies uh, that we've been told and conditions that have been placed on us that we're, you know, we have to break free of. Uh, and so I discovered that my relationship to being a woman could be pleasurable and ecstatic and blissful and like just this awesome experience as opposed to being painful and like a burden. And, you know, I'm just this companion, this secondary, you know, existence, you know? Um, uh, so what I do now is I really fuse, uh, everything that I've learned. And, um, I have a background in healing and massage and abdominal massage, womb massage, um, and, uh, now the jade egg and the yoni egg practice is a perfect, um, piece to, you know, taking my work online because it's this tool that's like, okay, this is your tool. This is your sacred tool. You can use this to access what's in your womb space, the conditions you've been carrying, the blockages you've been holding, the stuff that's, you know, not serving you, the attachments to people and places and things and ideas, projects that are dead, uh, you know, a relationship to our parents that need to be severed in uh, this way that returns our vital life force energy to us. And a lot of times our, our essence of our inner child. Um, 
you know, this, the Yonyang practice, uh, and the Jade Egg practice is this tool that, you know, it's so beautiful for me to be able to pass on to a woman and just, you know, with the context of this work, of this womb work, uh, you know, she can dive in herself and really start to develop a partnership with her, her womb uh, and kind of unearth what's going on in the root and sacral chakra there. So that's what I do, um, essentially help women, women to unearth limiting belief patterns that, uh, come from, you know, this ancestral, uh, pain body. We can say this, this, what we've been passed down that we're meant to heal right now. So yeah, it's, I love it. It's really been a beautiful experience and I'm excited, um, to, you know, keep taking the steps and walk forward and, and to see where this leads. So Epic. Amazing. <laughs> Epic. Yeah, truly. And especially because, um, I'm looking at your chart and yeah. I mean, I'm just like, yep, 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 yep. yep. <laughs> Definitely. Yes. Mm-hmm. Like so aligned, um, you are my dear. And just so grateful that you are bringing this work into the world because we desperately need it as a collective. Mm-hmm. Um, and you are the mouthpiece really. So we'll talk a little bit about that, but, um, Anything you wanted to add, Eugenia, in your well, reflection? Yeah, I, I think uh, you're so right. Everything you're saying is very poetic. Uh, of course, uh, Mercury conjunct Midheaven and Leo. Right. Uh, <laughs> uh, we'll, again, we'll talk more about that. But um, And the, the, we'll talk a lot, I think, too. I hope to talk a little bit about the series piece up there as well. But, um, you know, you're mentioning two great bits, the collective wounding of the patriarch and the lies that were, um, totally man-made at this point is uh, we can believe, uh, you know, these archetypal stories that show up in religion, cool, but the, the, the truth to it, uh, maybe not so much. Um, and, and just how, especially if one is brought up in a religious culture, which we all have been, this is a highly saturated Christian culture. Uh, the stories are right. They're fairly detrimental to the, to the female that, you know, we Eve bit the apple and we are literally why, you know, Jesus carries the sins of, of humanity is because of something a woman did. And so that piece is excellent to bring up and, and is a conversation of course, that is being had and should be had. Uh, and how do we recover from that? And I love this piece about healing with the mother. Danny said something in a recent episode that I have not stopped talking about with my friends. And that is that we are actually in our grandmother's womb as the eggs of our mothers and how we've actually been in the two wombs. And I had never, ever, ever thought of that before and how, right. We, we are so much carrying the blood of the feminine in our, both culturally, but then in our lineage and that there is, it seems a call, a battle cry right now for women to heal these wounds, um, heal them in, in, multifaceted ways. So I love everything you said because it's, uh, it's so spot on. And I have to ask because I, I have not uh, done the Yoni thing myself yet. I'm sure I will after this, but what does this look like? So it's, I know I've seen them. They look like little eggs, like little Easter eggs or something uh, made out of stones 
uh, I'm not sure if this is right. And, and how do you use them? How does it actually work? So I can get an idea of that. And for people listening, so they can understand what is a yoni egg. Yes. Yes. So the, um, the yoni egg, their traditional, well, the traditional stone is jade. And this is a practice that originated in the far East. Um, and it's a practice that the, the Royal women used to connect their, uh, their sexual energy, which is their creative energy to transmute that energy into spiritual energy, or you could say spiritual power. And so it's this fusing of the sexual energy with the spiritual energy. And the traditional stone in the Far East was jade because jade is a stone that connects the womb to the heart. And so it's a very powerful way to bring our creative center, those creative impulses and those desires uh, that we have to our point of action, which is our heart, where we can give and receive, you know, that fulcrum uh, of our centers here. And so the practice originated in the Far East and it was... um, you know, I, I'm not sure how it ended up over here, but I'm glad it did. It, it, mm-hmm. As all things do, they just kind of permeate, you know, and, and now there's a lot of stones being used. And so the practice really is central to what stone you're working with. Um, what I'm what I'm doing right now is working with just obsidian and just jade. And the reason being is because I find that both stones are really powerful for the work that I'm facilitating. And the obsidian is really powerful for, you know, just seeing the limitations that you've put on yourself. So if you don't really want to see your shit, obsidian is like not the stone for you because it's going to bring up everything that is hard to face. So it shows you those ego limitations. It shows you your, you know, where you're projecting, which is sometimes we're not ready to face that stuff. So obsidian is not a stone I recommend for anyone who's not in a really strong, uh, who doesn't really have a strong spiritual practice. Um, but it is a total womb sponge. So if there's trauma, it will, just realign. It will soak that stuff up. It is it's a yin stone. So it's, um, it's made of cooled molten lava. Uh, and it just has this really absorbent property where it just soaks, soaks things up. Um, so sexual trauma, um, you know, it's been really powerful for me in relationship to seeing my money wound, my money wounding, um, obsidian was the one that brought about, those realizations for me, uh, realizing, you know, how my money story, uh, where, where it was rooted and how I could pull that root out of the ground, uh, and not just, you know, put a bandaid on it, but really like, let's eradicate this. Hmm. Um, and then the Jade. So I like to use the obsidian for the womb clearing and the jade for cultivating your sexual energy. And the reason I like to use a jade for the cultivating sexual energy is that it's heavy. The stone is very dense and it's dense for its size. So it is the most powerful in strengthening our orgasmic potential because our yoni is actually, you know, really awakening by having to adjust to the stone, uh, to hold the stone in and to practice the exercises. So, 
the practice does look very different for every woman and depending on, you know, where she's begun. Um, but generally, you know, it can look like this, you know, you work with a stone a couple nights a week or, you know, in the morning, whatever's good for you. And you work with it until you feel like, okay, you know, I've kind of, I've worked through something with this. Um, and then you can, you know, use your jade or use your obsidian or use your other stone. Um, it's a very intuitive practice and, and that's, you know, most crystal and gemstone practices, you know, are really that kind of practice anyway. Usually the stones come to us when we're, you know, we're not even looking for them. Um, but yeah. And, and then there's, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different ways, um, or pictures that it can look like. Sometimes I take a couple weeks of a break and don't really feel like using, you know, any of my stones. Um, there's an infinite number of, uh, of paths or I guess ways your practice can look, but, um, essentially it can be, it's, it's energetic and physical. So. Mm -hmm. Love that. And forgive my ignorance, but do you actually just place the stone in your vagina? Do you place it around your vagina? What do you actually do with the stone? Yeah, that's an awesome question. I'm so immersed in this that I often forget to be very uh, clear. So <laughs> yes, you put the stone inside. So you, um, you know, you insert the stone into your yoni. And for instance, one of the exercises is, um, you know, of course, you, you know, you want to be comfortable with your stone. You want your stone to be warm. You don't want it to be cold because that's shocking. <laughs> um, you want to, you know, sit and hold it in your hand, either during your meditation practice or lay in Shavasana, put it on your belly. Um, you can do a little breast massage to, you know, open your heart. And then when you're ready, you insert the stone. And this is one of the exercises, for instance, you insert the stone just so it's enveloped. You don't push it all the way up towards your cervix. Um, and then you actually practice with your muscles, pulling the egg towards your cervix. And I call this one elevator egg. Hmm. And the purpose of this exercise is to awaken the different areas of the vagina or of the yoni and to really start to strengthen that space and awaken tissue that's actually dormant because Hmm. in the feminine wounding actually manifests in inactive tissue and inactive, um, you know, spaces within our pelvic bowl. And so accessing our, the tissue of our yoni, our vagina, our womb space is actually, uh, just tremendously healing. And it's kind of the inverse, uh, of changing your thoughts to change your life. It's, it's like getting into your tissue to change your life. It's releasing cellular, you know, blockages and getting into those energetic patterns physically. It's not mental. It's totally body oriented. And I think that's another reason why I love it. So Great. That makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, And there's something I wanted to say too about the word yoni. I just learned this, that it's Sanskrit for sacred space. And I feel like there's something really tied into that, that I think is really powerful for um, this healing of women that, you know, we, like you were saying, Eugenia, you know, over centuries and with religious wounding that we've all collectively experienced, um, the power of the feminine has been uh, well, we've been disempowered as a collective. And I was just thinking about this yesterday, how interesting it is that women who can give life, which is the ultimate creative act, um, that sustains our, our existence 
how we we go through all of these changes throughout our lives and we really experience a lot of suffering just physically in a physical plane, you know, pain and um, you know, every month we're bleeding and we're shedding and we're, you know, participating in this physical cycle that's just organically happening. And then, of course, being pregnant and giving birth and all of these things, which, of course, I mean, maybe we wouldn't have pain in childbirth if we weren't, um, you know, carrying this collective wound. But it's kind of amazing to me to think that the power of the feminine has been um, taken away from us when, I mean, it's, it's so clear that we are such powerful creatures. So it's really exciting to hear you speak about this and and think about, I love that, that idea of this inverse, you know, this almost, um, how, how important and sacred the physical body is, you know, and how that part has even been separated from our understanding of what is spiritual, right? Like spiritual, I think a lot of people think about spiritual things and it's something outside of us, or it's like above our heads or it's in our thoughts or, um, you know, it's in the cosmos even, and how our spirituality has been disconnected from our physical form. Like we are spiritual beings and the sacred space of our womb is, you know, what creates life, which is what our whole experience is here. So that was just a little ramble, but something I wanted to mention. Good ramble, really good ramble. (laughs) Right. And, you know, I think one of the realizations that I've had too recently is with the power of the feminine is not only do we hold birth, but we hold death. Uh, the feminine, I mean, when there's a loss and I've been, you know, I've done hospice work my whole life off and on. And, you know, there's very rarely do sons show up to do the caregiving at the end of one's life. Very rarely. And the only time the sons typically do show up at the end of their parents' lives or anyone's life, um, it's usually cause there's not a sister or an aunt or a, or cousin or whatever, but it's, you know, just recognizing that we hold the space for creation and destruction and how phenomenal that is that, you know, we are, we're wildly powerful. And, um, yeah. And I think it's really cool that I know it's, it's a little late in the game for me in my thirties, but I think it's cool that at least I'm finally recognizing, Oh my God, like I'm a big deal. (laughs) right? Because of my body, Mm -hmm. you know, like I'm, I'm a big deal because I'm a woman and I, I have women in my life and there's a collective of us. And as we come together more and more, it's just like, we, I'm feeling the power amping up, amping up. And I think what both of you have both mentioned that I've thought a lot about, we had a guest on recently, uh, for a Saturn episode and she had mentioned this, but then I kind of went back and looked her up online, Maya, uh, I forget her last name. Do you know? Thank you. Mm-hmm. And she's working on, you know, she's doing Empress Tides and all of these women's collectives where she's trying to bring women together. And one of the things I saw her say was this idea of how, you know, we have this creative force living in us all the time and how can we be still enough to let it organically move through to our hands And I've been really paying attention to that with my own experience recently, where rather than waking up in the morning and having this ridiculous list and tackling that list, um, I've been actually just letting myself be and seeing what organically wants to happen. For example, 
I want a cup of water. <laughs> My body wants water, so I'm going to get up and, and put water in it. Okay, now I want to go outside and and weed some plants or whatever it is. And now I'm going to go write some emails. And so it's kind of this incredibly fluid thing. And just the idea that that creativity, that intuitiveness that we're talking about that we just can let happen from not the mind space is is a collective creativity too. It comes from the womb. It comes from our mother. It comes from our grandmother. It comes from the grandmothers and, and spirit things around us that we may not be able to see. Like we are being moved all the time and how can women be still enough to let that movement just flow through us as opposed to the masculine, you know, go drive, hunt, you know, tackle, uh, do, uh, and, and really looking at how can, how can we move into the intuitiveness of knowing how our body needs healing, especially with these eggs, we will know what to do with them once in our presence. I love the idea of that, that it is, it's a force beyond logic. So, um, okay. So that feels like a good segue into astrology. Does that mm-hmm. feel good? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Let's talk about it. Yeah. So, uh, right. So for those of you listening, uh, please, and we may, maybe in the future, we should try to have the charts cast right in the beginning of the episode so people can listen to the, the guests talking and follow as they talk, follow their chart. Cause, um, everything that Jelena said up to this point, it's like, yeah, like that's her chart. Yep. That's her chart. <laughs> um, so being able to point that out, but let's go ahead and give some information to cast the birth charts. And for those of you listening, um, if you have a professional program, wonderful, you know what to do for those of you without a professional program. And if this is newer for you, uh, there's a couple of pretty good sources online for free charts, namely astro.com is one of the more um, popular sources to cast charts. And you just go in there and you, I think you go under free horoscopes and you can click on create a chart or extended chart. There's a bunch of options. Um, And Cafe Astrology has a pretty good system as well. So just for those of you listening, uh, go ahead and pull that up on your computer and follow along with us. And the birth info for Jillian is July 20th. 1990, 2.30 p.m. in Ridgewood, New Jersey. I also just want to mention, Eugenia, that we both use the whole whole, whole science, science Good point. house system. Good point. Um, so, because if you're going to be using Astro, the default is Placidus. Mm-hmm. So that's going to change things a little bit. Thank you. And yeah. yeah. And, and, and I, I actually, there's a, a, member on the new paradigm astrology community with Kaipacha, a member there, she created a spreadsheet, um, with how to use astro.com to do the extended chart selection options. And that's where you will find house systems for those of you listening. Um, but if anyone is interested, you can email, um, or maybe I could send a link with the PDF or something. Somehow we can get that on the website or on the Facebook or something like that. So people can know how to change the house system. But thank you for mentioning that. Right. So we will be looking at it from a whole sign perspective. So, uh, 
Gosh, where do we start? It's so obvious of everything. <laughs> so, <laughs> Everything's so obvious. Everything. <laughs> it really is. Astrology is like so obvious. Uh, so where I, where would we want to start with um, describing what she, what Jillian's doing, what she's talking about, and how that relates to her personal chart? I think starting with your story, Jillian, about your relationship with your mother mm. um, is really important because the words that you used were so powerful. They really spoke to the energy of the archetypes. Um, so we're looking here, pardon me. I just let my dogs out. So I'm like out of breath. Um, <laughs> okay. Um, so your, your moon, which represents your relationship to the feminine and with your mother and with nurturing is in the sign of cancer. So it's at home there in the sign of cancer. Um, it's also opposing Uranus, the planet of change and rebellion and also erratic energy. So, you know, the first thing that you spoke to were, my relationship with my mother, she was kind of crazy. She was a very erratic woman. You know, my relationship to the feminine was kind of all over the place, right? Um, and then also, because your moon is in the ninth house, and actually you have a whole stellium there, there's this whole uh, indication of religious belief systems be kind of being a big theme in your life. Um, and seeing how that plays into how you communicate with the world, both as a teacher, but also, as you've even said, as a rebel. Um, so you have Uranus in the third house as well. So I feel like that really speaks to a lot of the work that you're doing in changing our perspective about the feminine. And that's really what Uranus does is, I, I like to think of Uranus as the hanged man <clears throat> archetype. So it's like turning things upside down and looking at them from a totally new perspective. So that's a role that you play in the world um, with your role with the feminine. So that's just one of the first things that pops out to me. Mm -hmm. You want to take it over from here, Eugenia? For yeah, you? gosh, totally. So uh, just so people can see, uh, if you're not, if you don't have the chart in front of you, so in the ninth house we find the Sun, Jupiter, Chiron, the Moon, Athena. Venus. And I've started throwing in Sirius, the star, because it's such a freaking bright star in the night sky. And it's at, you know, it's at 13 degrees cancer. It's not going to move a lot. Um, but I'm just throwing that in there that that is conjunct your Chiron and your moon. I don't know what that means quite yet because I'm just starting to place it in the charts. But um, just so you all know. So, right. So we have a packed ninth house uh, with the sun being there, Jupiter conjuncting the sun. And when we think about the ninth house, we think about the teacher. We think about like what Danny was saying um, uh, values, uh, religious ideologies, uh, traditions. I think of the ninth house as traditions and teaching traditions. Um, and so this is a very, very traditionally oriented chart uh, that one would be invested in the tradition of Cancerian themes with cancer being the feminine. Like Danny's saying, it's it's ruled by the moon. Uh, go back to basics episode for those of you just getting into this. We will talk more about cancer in that one so you can get more information of what cancer means, what ninth house means. Um, but right, so cancer, it, it, right, it's the feminine. It is, and so this is a highly feminine chart with, with what, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, excuse me, six, seven, seven major aspects of the sky in that constellation when she was born. So we can imagine that there was going to be huge amounts of feminine energy for this individual and that it was, it's going to be, and would be associated with the tradition 
with value, with belief systems, and then ultimately being able to teach it. And it's really interesting too, because Chiron is also loosely, it's at 10 degrees conjunct your moon. Um, But when we look at Chiron, Chiron is our wound. It's where do we find, where's this individual's wound lie? And then ultimately, how will this individual take that wound and turn it into medicine? So for you, your greatest wound is also in cancer. So this is a great wound with the feminine energy in the ninth house with the religious ideology around feminine energy um, and that you're going to turn it on its on its head and make that your medicine. And that's exactly exactly what you've been doing. And then with Jupiter conjuncting the sun, meaning Jupiter was right next to the sun when she was born. Um, so there's this illumination of whatever's near the sun that you are a teacher that, uh, and then I, and then we'll have uh, Danny get into the Mercurian part of it next maybe, but that you have a, you have something you want to share and you want to teach and you want to guide and heal. I mean, it's just so, <laughs> Obvious. It's so obvious. Yeah, it's amazing. (laughs) And something else I want to mention about Chiron too is that Chiron is also the lies we tell ourselves Mm. about ourselves. Like I'm not good enough. I don't deserve this. I'm a bad person. Um, I'm ugly, whatever it is. Like all of these, uh, that voice, that inner voice that we internalize from our parents or whatever we absorb from them, um, that actually turns out to be our wound. And then eventually we wake up to it and we think, Oh my God, why have I been lying to myself this whole time? I'm amazing. And I'm, you know, a a being of, uh, the divine. So I think that's really interesting there that it's also in your ninth house, um, in the sign of cancer. And something else I wanted to mention too, is that your moon is opposing Neptune, which represents the higher octave of the feminine. It's, you know, the higher octave of Venus and it's divine love and it's the divine, um, unity of all life. Um, and so there is this, I actually have this aspect as well. There's this strong intuition that's built into that, um, aspect and also this connection with the feminine and with creativity and being able to, um, access kind of like the, uh, I would say transpersonal realms of what it means to, you know, heal the world and, and work with some type of healing medicine. So, definitely that's there too go ahead and I just want to throw in too (laughs) poor Jillian she's just like "Eh." I know (laughs) no I I, I'm loving this this is the most enriching thing ever and (laughs) I have validating yeah validating oh it's yeah go ahead no I I have no objections (laughs) so and by the way everyone when we say opposing um that means that and literally when Jillian was born above her was the sun Jupiter, Chiron, Sirius, the moon, Athena, Venus on one side of the sun, and then the south node series, Mercury, Midheaven on the other side. We'll get into that in a second. So that was literally above her when she was born. Okay. So all of that Cancerian energy was basically toppling down on her. Um, think about when the sun is at 2.30 in the afternoon or you know, when the sun is right above us. It's, it's a very... Um, we're very public and there's a lot of energy versus uh, at night. If somebody has the sun, you know, at midnight or two 30 in the morning, we can imagine they're going to be a little less public or a little less, they might be more inward people because their first experience here had a lot more inward energy versus when someone gets here in the middle of the day and all that energy is going on around them, they start creating the template of busyness of publicness of things of that nature. So when we say that Neptune and Uranus are opposing and let's not also mention, you know, we can also mention Saturn is opposing 
We're saying that what's happened when she was born is all of these things were right above her and below her, below the earth, on the polar opposite end of the sky was Uranus, Neptune, Saturn. Uh, so just to clarify that for individuals as you're listening and I wanted to just add something with the Neptunian piece too. And and the retrograde might have affected this a little bit, but oftentimes too, when we see a moon Neptune um, dance, when those two energies are in flow with each other, there can also be boundary issues with the mother. There can be um, a meshment or some kind of, not to say a word that's so scary, but I like to use this word with clients, um, uh, there's a covert incest type of a situation. When I say covert, it, it's because it's not an overt, obvious thing. It's more covert where mom can oftentimes be relying too heavily on child for internal support. Um, so oftentimes when I have a client, and I, I'd, I'd like to know more about your experience with this, Jillian, but oftentimes when I see a client with moon Neptune situations, mom, either dad wasn't around or he was working all the time or whatever it was. And so mom kind of used the child as the partner rather than appropriately using an adult as the partner. So um, with that opposition and retrograde, I'm not sure exactly what that would have looked like, but did you have experiences like that at all in your chart, just to give us more flavor into that Neptunian moon aspect? Yes. Yeah. Uh, wow. Um, my, I was an emotional caretaker for my very narcissistic mother and, and I out say, of curiosity, what was her sign? Was she Leo, Scorpio, uh, Aquarius? Mom was a Scorpio, November yeah. 11th. Yeah, so um, we'll, we'll explain why that is and how I would have guessed Leo, Scorpio, or Aquarius. But yeah. keep going. Go ahead. Yeah, so uh, emotional caretaking, um, definitely not being seen uh, for... I wasn't seen or recognized, you know, and that's the characteristic of, you know, when you have a narcissistic personality and I say narcissistic, not as a descriptive term, but as an actual problem, diagnosis. like a, yes, a diagnosis. Mm -hmm. So narcissistic personality disorder. Mm -hmm. Um, I was the emotional caretaker. So was my younger sister, but I was the first, um, very loving and attentive father, but, uh, that caused and, and very pure heart, my dad and, um, my, that dynamic between my dad and I caused a uh, a big rift between my mom and I because she was jealous and envious and c competitive our whole life. So mm -hmm. she was mm -hmm. competing with me for energy, competing with me for attention. Um, I was definitely kind of shunned by her, but also uh, boundary issues for sure. Like she She's, she was very manipulative uh, with money and with sex. Very interesting. Very manipulative. Um, you know, we were all kind of, and I'm just being totally honest here, but we yeah, were all kind totally. of pawns. We were pawns on her chessboard of life. Like we, however she can control us with money, she did. If she could control us by criticizing us, uh, there was not an unconditional flow of love. There was a deep wound. Um, and... Yeah. Uh, I, I think that's all I've got on mom. I mean, I'm no, there's a, there's a book about it. Honestly, there's like a couple books in me about it, but, <laughs> but well, I can, know. yeah, I can add to that too, since I have that aspect and absolutely the covert incest, like in the sense that I was, you know, my mother's 
partner, basically, emotional partner, of course, um, throughout my childhood. Mm -hmm. So that is very common. I'm really glad you brought that up because that is something I've seen with other clients as well. And um, Mm -hmm. boundary issues galore. Right. And and why I was curious about what that would have maybe looked like, too, is because it is in retrograde. Uranus is also there and Saturn's there. So it's for Jillian, it's maybe not even as clear cut because we've got that masculine energy father on the other side of it. And then we've got this explosive kind of Uranian energy, right? So, and and they're all in retrograde. So Mm -hmm. it was, it was, it's actually really important to bring in your experience, Danny versus Jillian's to see the different color of that, Mm -hmm. uh, the, how that can show up in different forms. And I just want to mention, so I would have assumed, so was your mom born in the forties or early fifties? Mom was born in 63. Oh, 63. Okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Curious. Okay. Cause I'm, I'm kind of thinking of her overall chart, but your the way I see your chart is, um, I would have imagined you came from some narcissistic energy, uh, because you have a Leo South node. Okay. Well, and we'll get into that uh, as well. Um, but then also I imagine that there was something darker, some darker, um, attachment stuff going on because you are Scorpio rising. So typically from my experience, I don't know if this is the case with you, Danny, but in like the thousands of charts that I've looked through and for the thousand clients that I've read, uh, always, always you see the parent signs in the rising or the nodal placements. Mm -hmm. Um, it's always the case. It's the synchronicity of cosmic interplay it's it's the dna pattern of the cosmos much like the dna pattern in the body and so you can like whenever i pull up a chart for someone i know exactly who their parents are immediately within the first five seconds of looking at someone's chart because i look at the rising and i look at the nodes and then i'll look at pluto in your case pluto is just below the ascendant so i know that your your mother parents are going to have strong scorpionic energy strong leo aquarius more leo energy um uh, and that's why i was curious what her generation is and i don't know the dates of leo off the top of my head but i'm pretty sure we're in virgo in 63 but I digress. So I just want to move us into the rising sign really quickly. So when I look at the rising sign, I really look at it as when the sun rises in the east each morning, it sets the tone of our day. Um, It gets us out of bed. It puts us in a particular mood. Like this morning, I definitely woke up on the wrong side of the bed. And I hope to God by tonight when I'm in bed, I won't be as anxious and and upset as I was this morning, but it definitely set the tone of the first few hours of my day. And subsequently it will the rest of the day, little less at night. Similarly, whatever's rising in the East, when an individual is born, it sets the tone of that individual's life. Okay. And that's your family. Your family sets the tone of your life. And as we're like, you know, 10, we have no idea. 18, we're starting to get an idea. 30, you know, once we get into our past Saturn return in our 30s, we're kind of like, okay, that's them. This is me. (laughs) We're not the same thing. And by the time we're in our deathbed, we would hope to be 
quite evolved past the family of origin. Nevertheless, the family of origin energy is really, to me, found at the rising sign. So for Jillian, the rising sign that was uh, the, the constellation that was rising when she was born was, was the constellation Scorpio. Uh, Pluto was just below the eastern horizon of Earth. Okay, so it was making its way, emerging from the undersoil um, on the eastern horizon. And then Juno, the asteroid, was just above it. Exactly. In fact, it was exactly conjunct um, uh, her ascendant. So what does that mean? Uh, a Scorpio rising. Uh, Danny, why don't you start that and talk about that, what it might be like and feel like and look like. And we can kind of get into that a little bit more. Yeah, sure. I mean, I, it's interesting. I, I, I've read so many charts of individuals who have this placement, who have Pluto on the ascendant in really? Scorpio. Yeah. And, Weird. um, well, in different signs as well. I mean, my brother actually, my brother and my father have Pluto, Pluto on the ascendant. Um, well, there you but go. anyways, yeah, I mean, for me, what I would see in this, you know, as an indicator is that you, you're a, an agent of change and transformation. That's really your role. Um, to come here and to obliterate whatever kind of um, ideas, belief systems, uh, whatever is like uh, kind of blocking the flow and get that out of the way. And I really like to think of Pluto as the, the colonic of the solar system. So it comes in and just like gets rid of all the junk and it does it in a really, really powerful way. So you have this like powerful vibration, this powerful energy about you. And it's also Pluto, you have opposing a pretty wide orb, but to Mars. So that even gives you more of um, a powerful vibration in your relationship since it is, you know, this opposition in the first seventh house axis. Um, so wait, what else was I going to say about that? Well, also, you know, with Pluto being a transpersonal planet, there is this sense that the work that you're doing here isn't really about you, even though it is on your ascendant and it's about you as a person. It's about the greater collective. Uh, when we're doing work with Pluto, it's kind of like we are re reorganizing our DNA at the very cellular level, which is something that you speak to using the yoni eggs, right? Um, so that's part of your identity and your role and how people are going to see you in this lifetime and, and your impact on, on people. So that's kind of what my, my take is on it. Yeah. Yeah. And I just want to, yeah, totally, totally. And just to throw in there. So because Scorpio Pluto is um, rising when this, when you were born, we can also then imagine that the family you were born into was very intense. Mm -hmm. Scorpio is, of all of the the constellations, it's it's the most intense because again, go back to basics, but Scorpio represents sex, death, and money. Period. End of fucking story. Like that's what Scorpio represents. We celebrate Scorpio when we're celebrating Halloween, Dia de los Muertos. When I think of Scorpio, I think of Halloween. They are they are essentially the same energy. What is Halloween? It is it's dark, it's cold. Usually it's snowing here in Colorado. Um, but then everybody lets their freak selves out. Like, like they put on their come fuck me heels. They, they put on their witchy outfit. Some dudes dress up as women. Um, you know, the whole gamut, of the dark side, right? The, right. Mm -hmm. The part that you don't want people to see the closeted part of our lives. And that is sex, death and money. Um, for example, I've said this a number of times. I will continue to say it. We didn't start this conversation by 
although we, we kind of went there pretty quickly, but I didn't say before we got started, hey, Danny, uh, uh, before we get going today, tell me about your sex life right now. <laughs> did you have sex last night and was it awesome or did, are you not having sex? And I didn't say, hey, Jillian, before we get started, let's just let the listeners know how much money you have um, and what your, you know, what your bank account has looked like throughout your life. And then you didn't ask me, hey, let's talk about although we do talk about this pretty easily, but grief, you know, like I'm not going to start the conversation with, Oh, before we get going, I just want to let you know, know all the things I've lost recently and how sad I am about it. These are things that we reserve for only very intimate people. And in some cases we don't even tell the people we're close to about these things. Um, this is, this is the work as astrologers, or at least for me, you know, I listen to people's secrets and oftentimes these are things they don't even tell their partners. So that's Scorpio to me. It's dark. It's, secretive, it's hidden. Um, and so, and it's very attached. Um, Scorpio people uh, are people who lie in the axis of Scorpio and Taurus, in my experience, have a lot of things around attachment um, and a really, really hard time detaching, especially with Scorpio. Once that scorpion tail gets into the, the jugular of an individual and Scorpios get those they can sting you. They can find those places and get and get the stinger in. It's really hard sometimes for people to get out of those relationships or get out of those enmeshments because it's it's Scorpio is so deeply um, intertwined. It's so deeply enmeshed. And so with all of that, you know, keep in mind Pluto does roll Scorp Scorpio, so you are a, a a double Scorpio in that sense. Um, that. Um, one would be born into a family with deep scorpionic curriculum. So maybe we don't talk about sex, death, and money, and it's all hidden. Uh, but yet we all know there's this undertone of something weird happening in the family. And so that individual grows up kind of suspicious and kind of looking around the corner for what lies below the surface. And like Danny's saying, when you bring it into power, when you take that energy you were born into, you bring it into power, you can uncover, unveil those deep issues for the collective healing, especially because all of this is trining, um, aspecting all of this cancer, cancerian stuff in your chart, that this deep curriculum that you were born into is in fact the foundation of the work you will be doing in this world to unveil the underworld, essentially live in a Halloween state of of mind as all, all year long and talk about sex, death and money and don't keep it closeted. And so I just wanted to throw that in there too. Um, and, and there's another piece I really have to say too. I'm sorry. Isn't this, your chart is so rich. So and rich. Like amazing. Yeah. So I just rich. have to mention that. Yeah. How are you doing Jillian so far? I am so good. I, uh, <laughs> I wanted to say I was married on the day of the dead, not on purpose. Wow. Um, yeah. It was a really quick thing. It happened so fast. We didn't plan. We didn't, we just like went and got married by our shaman friend. It ended up looking back on it thinking, Oh, it's the day of the dead. I've always been fascinated by that day. I've always loved that time mm -hmm. of year. Uh, one of my favorite times. And, uh, yeah, I'm loving this. Everything you guys are saying, first of all, you're blowing my mind. I think you know me way better than <laughs> I I don't know how to even explain, but <laughs> yeah, it does I'm really that. enjoying. <laughs> yeah. That's why I became an astrologer is because the first time Jason Hawley mentioned my chart, he was able to explain myself better to myself than I had ever been able to do. And I was yeah. like, how did that happen? And and so 
this is certainly why I've chosen this as a profession. Cause, and that's the thing. And I think why Danny and I are trying to bring this more into the podcast is people read charts, like all of the information you could ever want to know is there. And it's, and yeah. once you know it, it's just, it's so easy. Like it's, you know, people I think are like shocked. They're like, how did you know that about me? I'm like, cause it was, it's literally like I'm reading a book. Like it's, I'm not even, you know, it's not even that challenging to do once you really, really do this so many times. So people yeah. that we want to teach and spread it. Yeah. Sorry. You know, I just want to say that that's actually what I, I recommend for people who really want to learn about astrology is do charts, do charts of people, you know, because yeah. you already know them anyway. So then you can start to see where pieces of their personality are in the chart. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, and then you can look at a chart of somebody you don't know, and then be able to tell a story, you know, the more, you, more and more you do it. So yeah. And definitely by exploring our own chart, like definitely get a reading oh, yeah. with Danny and I, or anybody and then see how each astrologer interprets that same archetype with their own flavor um, and keep deepening, deepening, deepening that understanding of, okay, this is what I'm here to work out. And, and, and then we have this radical consciousness around the actions we take in life and it's beautiful. So, um, yeah. so the last thing I just wanted to bring in is this Leo South node piece. And then I'm um, just being conscious of, conscientious of time we might kind of stop there obviously there's more well we've covered pretty much your entire chart because it's all (laughs) aspecting itself but um so when we look at the south node of the moon this is uh more of a a modern um astrological take on uh, um, astrology uh, but it's a psychological take on it and it's very much embedded in the practice of evolutionary astrology but when we look at the south node of the moon it's really looking at where does this individual's what's the past what's the past so this gives us some more energy into what's the family dynamic what is the um pluto does that as well so we know there's something very deep and secretive stuff kind of going on in your family of origin that goes really, really much further back than your, than your mother and Pluto. But when we're looking at the South node, it can be even more recent or some would argue some recent past lives that you come in with. And so with your South node and Leo, um, there's a lot of, one would imagine as a child, there was a lot of emphasis placed on you. Um, Leo is ruled by the sun. Leo is all, it's narcissism. In fact, that's the word that I use to describe Leo. And I don't use that as a negative or a positive descriptor, but more as a, 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 there's a self-centeredness around Leo. Um, And so, so somehow a lot of focus put on you. Now, the part I'm going to bring in and then I'm going to shut up for a while um, is series conjuncts your south node as well now it's a fairly loose conjunction um but i'm very wide with my orbs and conjunctions um and so ceres is the mother in astrology and she is an asteroid she's the largest asteroid in the asteroid belt um and she's she literally represents like the earth and the mother and the story is with her she loses her daughter persephone to the underworld and so she, when her when she loses her daughter to the underworld, she goes into this incredible grief, and that's when we see winter on the earth. Um, an, an agreement is made. Persephone is is let back up for the other half of the year, and then that's how it works. That's why we have the four seasons from a Greek mythological um, storytelling um, perspective. And so whenever we see a strong series conjunction to any kind of node Pluto situation. We know that this individual has a very, very deep curriculum with the mother and that the mother, like Ceres or like Demeter, which is the Greek name of the same myth, um, she's a very um, volatile 
archetype, like the earth, right? Like, like soul Jonathan um, says, and go back and listen to the series episode that soul did, which is great. She, it's a very rich conversation about this archetype, but like soul says, we are, you know, we're on a third rock from the sun. Like if you really let yourself think about it, like this is a scary place to live earth. And she really represents that volatility of earth, that earth both nurtures, but it also destroys. And we talked about that at the beginning. And so when Ceres again is conjunct those big placements, one can imagine that there's a deep, deep curriculum with a fairly volatile mother uh, who doesn't have a maybe a good handle on her emotional stability and um, because Ceres stops feeding everybody when she's grieving and and that's you know like we all have losses and we all grieve but to completely check out from life when something doesn't go your way is kind of the series energy and it's a, it can be a little childish but so to me that's a a hugely important part of your chart to have that aspect so i'm going to shut up and let you finish out with the mercury midheaven leo stuff uh, danny well yeah just to um dovetail off of what you're saying with the nodal um points here is that you're so your south node is in Leo in the 10th house, right. meaning your north node is in Aquarius in the 4th house. And the 4th house is considered by some the womb of the chart because it's our connection to our ancestral lineage, our lineage and also to our mother and to our home and family life. So with your north node there, it's almost like your destiny is to work with the womb. You know, so you're fulfilling that right now and doing it in such a way where you can take your personal story, your South Node in Leo, and offer it to the collective in Aquarius and do it in such a way where you're being of service. And it's not really about you, but it's about the whole. Um, so it's, it's, it's really, you're rocking it. You're rocking your North Node right now. Amen. And I just, you know, it's, it's really awesome to see somebody doing that and not struggle with it. And one way in which you're doing that is because you are the mouthpiece of this uh, movement, I want to say, and with Mercury on your midheaven, midheaven representing your professional aims and your public image in this lifetime, and having such a close conjunction by three degrees of Mercury there, um, you know, just suggests that you have something to say about this, and you will say something about it, and you are saying something about it in a really beautiful, poetic way. So that's just my two cents about that. And anything else you want to add to this conversation, Jillian, before we kind of close up here? Um, well, I just want to say thank you so much. What a clarifying morning that I'm on the right <laughs> path because, <laughs> you know, often, you know, these impulses come, these creative impulses, these ideas or this, I have kind of a sense of urgency too, that this is, I have mm. to share this. I have to, and it is sometimes hard for me to reveal, uh, myself. I'm, and I know a lot of people go through that, but reveal myself or parts of my story, Maybe because my mom is still alive, you know, there's parts of me that are like, okay, she's still alive. I got to share this stuff. You know, what, you know, ah, it's hard to navigate that um, and really coming out with it. But what you said just now about the North Node and the South Node is so, gives me so much clarity because it's not about me. It's not. It is about the collective, it is about change. It is about the patterns I see and the things happening going on that I do. That is, that is my fuel. And so when I anchor into that, it's like, oh yeah, it's not about me. 
Um, but like anybody with a narcissistic parent, your first fear is like, God, I'm being so narcissistic mm-hmm. right. <laughs> by talking about myself, you know? Yeah. <laughs> so, so it's interesting. Cause I just feel so blessed to be here with both of you today. This was so clarifying. It's so validating. Like you said, Danny and, um, wow, you guys keep doing this, what you're doing. <laughs> I can't wait to tell everybody about it because, this has been like school for an hour or however long we've been on. Like you should see, I have like six pages of notes and (laughs) I am so into it. And I can't wait to listen to uh, all the other episodes you guys have done. So yeah. Yeah. Keep doing it. Well, and I think it's kind of fun to share what we actually do online because you know, oftentimes people are like, so you're an astrologer. What do you do? And I'm like, you know, and it's like, (laughs) I do, you know, and so it's fun to be like, okay, this is what it feels like when you get a chart read. Um, and this is why people do it is because it, it's, it's, it's very helpful. And I, I just wanted to mention one other piece about you being such a strong cancer. One of the, at least from my perspective, one of the huge misnomers about cancer is that it is very vulnerable and heart wearing on the sleeve and, you know, like very emotional. Those are things you hear. But my experience is that cancer people are needing to learn how to be vulnerable. Like the curriculum is to learn how to be vulnerable and to, because the, the representation is the crab. It's like this hard shell and there's this meaty, juicy deliciousness on the inside. And cancer people I I tend to see are people who actually put on a a pretty thick exterior, especially the men, um, where it's like, I don't feel like, I don't, you know, and meanwhile, there's this like well of emotion, um, and it can be acted out poorly in some cases. And so what you were just saying is, again, it's another beautiful example of, um, of your chart that, you know, you're learning to share yourself, your vulnerabilities. And, and I just want to mention too, that, you know, we've gotten really personal on this podcast and this is, um, maybe the first time we've really gotten this personal on a podcast with a, 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 a guest, uh, Danny and I get pretty personal, but I do want to just say, I'm sorry if that's gotten too personal, but also there's a, there's a huge strength here. I'm noticing on the podcast with vulnerability. Every time Mm -hmm. I share myself in a really authentic way, I find that people care more about me and they're more invested in my story and vice versa. Like when we can really share these intimate details in this virtual um, red tent of sorts, Um, I'm sure there's a lot of women listening now who are like, oh yeah, like she said it and I feel it. Like maybe I can talk to my friend about how my mother was narcissistic. And like, for example, like Danny has series conjunct her son and I have it square my Pluto, which isn't going to make much sense to people, but you know, we have that curriculum too in a deep way, Danny and I, so we can listen to your story and be like, oh, wow, like I really resonate with that. And that's healing just to hear your story. And as feminine, as I'm recognizing the power of the feminine, the, the female um, collaboration is our stories are the power Uh, And they always have been. We've always sat around telling stories to each other. And those stories help each individual process their experience. So I just really want to thank you for (laughs) letting us go for it and kind of crack open your world uh, into a public forum um, where I think it will be healing for others to listen to. 
Have I lost everyone? <laughs> no, I'm here. I'm with you. I feel you big time. Okay. And Jillian, are you still with us? Oh, how interesting. Did she disappear? She Into the ethers? <laughs> oh, we lost you. That's interesting. Well, she'll have to, she'll have to listen back <laughs> and hear that awesome piece that you just shared. <laughs> oh my. Okay. Well, um, I guess that's time then. That's time. Um, so thank you everyone for listening. Um, you know, I hope that you all have gotten a lot of information out of this and enjoyed it. And, and, you know, I, 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 maybe I'll try to remember to say this at the introduction, but I really encourage people when listening to this, create the space. Mm, like, create, yeah. like I've been really trying to listen back on these podcasts from a ceremonial perspective where I can just feel like, okay, I'm with my girls right now or with whoever's talking on the podcast. And it's this, it, you know, so I, I'm, I'm encouraging of that for people to do when they're listening to these. So just something to I love it. There. I love it. That's so great. Mm, cool. Yeah. All right, Danny. Well, we will have to. <laughs> yeah. Thank Jillian you, Jillian, yes, thank for you, joining Jillian. us and sharing your story and being vulnerable with us and for doing the work that you do in the world. We really, really value what you're bringing into our lives. And, um, it's just a huge gift. So thank you so much. And thank you all of our listeners. Please send us your feedback and any questions that you might have. And um, of course, please go to our landing page to donate to the podcast so that we can continue bringing you rich content mm -hmm. and conversation about astrology. And then also once a month, we are conducting a raffle mm -hmm. um, to invite people onto our show uh if you want or you can have a private session with both of us that'll resemble something like what we just did absolutely yeah, yeah. so if people really want to um oh great she's still here she just can't talk. oh good. Um, good, good okay uh so um right so if people are like wow that was really powerful um and maybe i could share this with you know my boyfriend or you know my friends so they can understand me better but yeah please donate and we'll get you on the show and that's the whole idea here is to make this more accessible and bring it to more people and and also uh, we love stars on itunes and stuff like that i think we've had some issues with that but the more reviews we can get and the more people can share this information the better um i just think what we're doing is awesome and um and, and so yes so yeah. yeah spread the love 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 so thank you everybody speaking of love love you danny this has been lovely you, and girl. uh we'll talk soon bye everybody bye <laughs>